Hello, everyone, and welcome to Discussing Trek, a Star Trek Discovery podcast and unofficial podcast about the CBS All Access series Star Trek Discovery. Today, we're going to be talking about season two of Star Trek Discovery. We are going to dive into different topics, different characters, and give our take on this season as a whole. Like always, I'm your host, Clarence, and I'm joined by my fellow co-host, Slash Trekkies, starting with none other than the Who Story himself, Cal Jones. How you doing, man? I'm doing pretty good. Can't believe we are already to the point of giving a season review. So, wow. But yes, glad to be here. Yeah, yeah. Took a, took a little time off, you know, and, and reflect for two weeks and, and see what we can come up with, you know, <laughs> as the rest of the world lets it sink in as well, you know. But also on the podcast there in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, we have the Trek historian, Jonathan Shorts. How you doing, man? Man, I am doing amazing. I am very sad that we no longer have any Discovery to watch for, what, a year, maybe? Yeah. Possibly, yeah. Yeah, like, really? But anyway, I, it was an exciting season, and I can't wait to talk about it. Also there with you, we have the Stargate story and Jeremy Barrow. How you doing, dude? I am well rested, my friend. <laughs> well rested and ready to talk. Trick. <laughs> guys, what we do here on this podcast is review each and every episode of Star Trek Discovery in somewhat excessive detail. In addition to talking all things Trek, uh, be sure to subscribe if you knew, if you just happened upon this podcast and you want to get all of our Trek knowledge, <laughs> Trek goodness, uh, make sure you hit that subscribe button on the podcasting platform of your choice. We're also on YouTube, so just search Discussing Trek on YouTube and give us a sub there. We really appreciate it, guys. So I have a bit of news. I will, I'll, I'll leave the floor open first to you guys. Do you have any Trek news? And if not, I'll go into the ones I have. So what about it, guys? Any Trek news? Not necessarily Trek news, but we, you know, Chewbacca died. Yeah, Peter Mayhew uh, passed away a few days back. Yeah, and man. I know that's probably blaspheme blaspheme on this show, but I'm I'm kind of a I love I like Star Wars as well, so that kind of affected me a little bit. Yeah, yeah, and not not blaspheming at all. We love all the fandoms. Uh, so yeah, that that's sad news certainly, and you know, especially as these actors get up in age. We've certainly experienced that on the Trek side of things of some of the iconic actors uh, passing on. So, yeah, that's that's definitely sad to see. And, yeah, the beloved Chewie. Yeah, he'll live on. Oh, that is actually really, really good. That dude. is very, very good. Wow. I'm impressed. <laughs> Years of practice, sir. Yes. You are cool. really a That was really good. <laughs> Awesome. 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 We're going to move on a little bit. And the news I have is that uh, CBS names Veronica Hart head of new global franchise group. So, uh, yeah, I've seen something about that. What? What? I didn't really understand what was happening. Yeah. So I, I'll, I'll read the, the byline from Variety dot com. The network. Uh, CBS has announced it's launching a Star Trek global franchise group that will manage and maximize expansion of the brand beyond its traditional boundaries of linear broadcasting and streaming with the goal of broadening Star Trek fan community through multiple avenues such as podcast, new digital spaces and live experimental events. This sounds very exciting to me. 
Now, mm. now when they say podcast, I don't know if they're going to launch their own or maybe they'll bring some in and make them official for the brand. There was an official po- uh, Star Trek podcast that kind of went away about a year and a half ago. But uh, yeah, they so they're expanding to other things. It may be something along the lines of this. And Cal, you may know of this, the Wolverine uh, podcast that's like a, yes. a, a audio serial. Yes, I, I've seen that. I haven't listened to it, but it's like the Wolverine, the Long Night. I think is yeah. the name of it. Yeah, Wolverine, Long Night, as well as you know, if you're in Doctor Who fandom, they are very heavy on the audio side of of stories, and this may be a space that they are probably move trying to move into because there's a lot of potential there to fill in the gaps and v- a very affordable way to you know tell a engaging story. Uh, that uh that doesn't cost a lot a lot of money you know so go ahead well and and another part of the audio is you can have actors that have progressed in age still playing the character you could have a Janeway uh series you could have yep. a you know fill in the blank series and not have to worry about oh well how are you going to explain that this person looks older than what they did when they were on air yeah yeah so Podcasts again. We're thinking stuff like the Marvels, the Long Night, and digital spaces, uh, like the Big Finish stuff for Doctor Who, possibly, and live experimental events. And for that, I'm thinking of things maybe like pop up displays and stuff like that, or a traveling thing. Uh, you know, so this seems pretty cool, and I definitely uh, want to see what they do with the brand and how they actually expand it a bit. Uh, Are you thoughts? a bit worried? Oh, I would so say here, here. Here's what I'm worried about. Like, and I now have to do some research on this person. Like, number one, is this person a trick fan or just a business mind? And I mean, I understand needing a good business mind to take over the brand, but that could be very detrimental if that person is not a trick fan. Like, uh, this could go. This uh, could go badly if they're not careful. Like. You, you could lose a lot of the fan base you have. Right. Yeah. If, if it's from a sense of, like you mentioned that they're dedicated to the property and being cautious with it, I think it could be something great, but you don't want to, you also don't want to feel that they're whoring out the, the franchise. You know what I'm saying? Right. Well, and I think star Wars ran into that trouble. They, they've originally been discussing, discussing the franchise fatigue. This whole like one like a movie a year. Now they got all these different shows coming out for the Disney Plus uh, streaming service. You know, if, if you, you can have too much of it. You can oversaturate the market with it. So that that that's along those lines. That's my worry about is that we just got too much going on and not enough time to really enjoy it. And some of it just not being good because they're just throwing it out there. Getting slapping Star Trek on it. So so I'm going to I'm going to rest my opinion somewhere in the middle, which is. I do. While I do agree that too much of anything is a bad thing, quality, I think, trumps quantity in the sense of if I have 10 Star Trek series and all 10 of them produce quality content, then I don't think you're going to have fatigue. If And if of those 10 things, three of them are podcasts, two of them are live events and five (laughs) of them are series, if they're all quality then I think you're good, but 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 you guys do pose a very good point, which is if someone is just sending things out for the sake of saying let's 
put the name on a carton per se, like they did in the 70s and the 60s with let's have, you know, radios and bake uh, ovens from Star Trek. Yeah. yeah. Right. And, and, and again, I look to the Doctor Who, what BBC has done with that property and Big Finish to see what could be a good path for it. Because there are people who are out there that are intimate with the Big Finish stuff, love it to death. And there's fans that don't never listen to it and don't care about it, but it doesn't, you know, it's not a detriment to their love of the fandom. So, yeah, I, I look at it along those lines and I think it can be a good thing, but agreed on all points that it could go badly if not handled properly. Yeah. yeah. Also in news, CBS and Viacom moving towards merger talks again. So I won't go into the details really here. All, all, all we really know is that they may be talking merger between CBS and Viacom. And I don't know how I feel feel about that. Uh, Viacom has some pretty good properties and they also have some properties. I'm like, eh. <laughs> is that a well, good that, Go ahead. That's what I was going to ask. Like, what what do I know from Viacom that's any good? That was my that was going to be my question. Well, their music. Like when you say Viacom, I think of that old, <laughs> crappy indie movie that nobody really, you know. Can well, you see the Viacom? Okay, I just did a quick wiki. A list of uh, item, list of things owned by Viacom that includes Paramount Pictures, Paramount Home Media, BET Films, Comedy Central Films, MTV Films, Nickelodeon Movies, uh, United International Pictures with Universal Studios. Um, they own Paramount, basically. Huh. Really? And they yeah. own CMT, Logo, If MTV. they own Paramount. Yeah, it, it will be bringing everything together. Right. But that's the movie side. I'm, I'm more concerned maybe of the TV side of things. Because if you look at the TV side, they own like MTV, BET, um, Nickelodeon, and Comedy Central. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, you said Nickelodeon, uh, TV Land, VH1. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely strong on the movie side, though. Um, you know, with- Bumblebee, Mission Impossible, yeah. Fallout. So maybe, oh. maybe not so bad. Maybe not so bad. Hmm. We'll see. Didn't Viacom do RoboCop? I don't remember. <laughs> maybe. All right. Well, uh, I guess I have a t- two other news items I want to get through real quick. Uh, Ethan Phillips, Neelix. Boards HBO space comedy adventure five from cr- the creator of veep. Uh, so apparently this is a, well, let me read the byline from variety from trekmovie.com. Um, HBO has given a series order for Avenue five, a new comedy from veep and the thick of it creator Armando Iannucci. Uh, Avenue five is described as a space tourism comedy set 40 years in the future where the solar system is everyone's, Moisture. The show stars houses Hugh Laurie as a captain of the space ve- space cruise ship Avenue five. And then they go on to list some of the actors in it. But Neelix is going to be there uh, playing a ca- uh, character named Spike Martin, an elderly space enthusiast and former astronaut. So really, the only reason I brought this up, do you think everybody now is trying to cash in on the space comedy genre? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Agreed. Yeah, I think Seth MacFarlane is kind of like he is the trailblazer of comedy. So when he does it, everyone else tries to do it. Yeah, 
Yeah. Like he changed the he changed comedy TV for I mean for the past 20 years I'd say. I don't yeah. know how long he's been on, but I mean everybody else is going to try to do it, but most of the time they fail miserably. <laughs> <clears throat> so what what is the name of this again? What are you, uh, are you saying Avenue? Oh, I'm sorry. Did I not pronounce it? Well? Avenue 5. <laughs> Avenue 5. I'm trying to google it. I never heard of it. Yeah. Uh look on the trekmovie.com is where I pulled the article from. Gotcha. But yes, I'm, it's I'm excited it's, about Hugh Laurie being part of this actually. Is that the house guy? Yeah, the guy who played house. Oh, is that him? Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If yeah, yeah, that I can't believe he's doing a space comedy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, well, well actually, um, go, go ahead. Well, I was going to say before he became House, he was actually part of a comedy duo in Great Britain called uh, Brian Mori. Uh, huh. He's a really big comedy. He he was more known for comedy before House before he became House. Yes, and he was in a series called Black Adder from the, uh, oh, you know, in the, Adder. yeah, that was in the, the, uh, UK, which was also one of my, uh, very, there's a season that's very, very funny that is set, I think, in the Queen Victoria time or Queen, whichever one's the Queen with that had the red hair. Right. Uh, so, so yeah, he's, he's, um, very good in that. Awesome. Awesome. And the last bit of news I had, and I don't know if this is really news. So the some of the actors from uh, Star Trek: The Next Generation were at a convention, Awesome Con, Awesome Awesome Con twenty nineteen, um, which had Will Wheaton, Jonathan Frakes, Brent Spiner, Gates McFadden, and Marina Sirtis, and. <laughs> And I, I posted a picture of this actually. If you go to our Facebook.com slash discussing Trek of uh, McFadden and Wheaton, uh, which was a pretty freaking cool picture. But the uh, only reason I bring this up is that they were asked a question Have any of them been asked to appear in the Picard series? And um, <laughs> it's, uh, Marina jumps in and says, None of us knows anything. They're guarding the show like the nuclear codes. <laughs> good wow. bad are we worried a little bit about this you, you know I'm, I'm i'm not worried because i, I think that's kind of what they have to do to make yep. the show its own otherwise they're making the next generation the next generation mm, i'll take it another direction there's a thing called non-disclosure agreement <laughs> uh, yeah uh, but but the lack of an answer is an answer True, mm. so you really break the grievance. <laughs> well, I don't know. Is the, <laughs> is the non-denial denial a real denial? <laughs> it could just, be. Unless you deny it. I'm confusing yeah, myself here. In a wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey territory. Nope, nope, you don't do that, Jeremy. You don't do that. Not on this show. Watch me. Watch me. <laughs> to get on you and Cal. No. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I don't have many skills. So hey, the ones I as, have, I like to use. As long as he puts it back where it belongs, we're good. <laughs> Oh, let's not let's not give any let's not give any spoilers for um, that movie that's crossed two billion in you know a matter of a few weeks. So, of course, I I have not seen. Yeah, I haven't seen it yet, so I have no spoilers to give. (laughs) See, there you go. Although it's all over Facebook, right? I mean, I know. Yeah. Well, guys, um, I think we are ready to get into our review of season two. Of Star Trek Discovery. Spoilers. Red alert. All hands stand to battle stations. What gives you the right? You can't 
cannot destroy an idea. At ease before you sprain something. So, um, how we want to kind of approach this is just maybe look at some character development, uh, maybe some of the the high arcs that they talked about in the season and just, you know, just kind of have a discussion about it. Like we, we normally do it. Maybe a little looser. We're just going to, going to wing it a little bit here, guys. So, and if you're listening and you have comments or thoughts about what we're going to talk about, please send that in to fans at discussing trick.com or hit us up at, at discussing trick on any of the social media platforms. Cause we want to, we want to hear your thoughts on the season as well. And before we get into it, um, we were at TupeloCon this past weekend and I talked to, well, I was in conversations with about two or three people at different times that were talking about season two of discovery. And I think the universal uh, feeling of season two is that they knocked it out the park. They hey. knocked it out the park. I hear a lot of people saying season one, you know, you know, uh, it, it may not have been the greatest, but they are like season two killed it. So before we just go on, just what are your just overall thoughts on season two? And let's start with you, Jonathan. Whoa. Hey, hello. <laughs> um, uh, you know, that's kind of hard, hard thing to answer. So as far as content production, writing season two was by far better for me but season one was good just because there was new trick in my life (laughs) and i was excited to watch that so season one always be special to me so that i I don't know i I really enjoyed season one because it kind of established a new star trek series it kind of tied in some things it kind of gave us some new ideas uh so i mean in that way it was really good but Every other way, I say season two was amazing, man. We a lot of character growth, a uh, lot of plot holes filled in. Uh, again, I just hate that they left it like they left it. I don't know where we go from here. Yeah. What about you, Jeremy? Um, I liked season one, but I feel like season two became less the Michael Burnham show and more Star Trek. Which I which I really enjoyed. I mean, it was. I mean, but they were both really good seasons. I think season two was just stronger because I think it it really found its footing as a Star Trek show. Agree, Cal. Uh, for me, I don't see it so much more of a change in format or a change in theme. I do see that it it did have a little bit more of a episodic feel, where the first one seemed more like a huge arc that it went through. I did like the continuous run without a break. And the biggest thing that I liked about it, I think it cleverly introduced classic Star Trek to a brand new generation of fans. And I think that was brilliant. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. That was good. Yeah. Uh, My opinions. uh, I love this season. I thought that the nostalgic tie-ins all around were just beautifully done and you know (laughs) season one is so hard because i think they kind of got themselves in a bind with the trickery in season one by trying to pull the wool over our eyes and by we got by the time we got the season i mean see uh, episode 10 or 11 i think when they gave the reveal 
I mean, we had got hints up until that moment, but it's like the journey there pissed so many people off because it <laughs> felt so different and you had this captain that was so different. And when you look at season two, it's like they went in the exact opposite direction, not only s- s- reversing the decision that, oh, we're not going to be see Spock, which who knows how real that was in season one, but not only are we going to see Spock, but we're going to embrace him. We're going to embrace the nostalgia. We're going to embrace the history. We're not going to try to destroy it, but we're going to take it and weave it into our season and almost make it feel core to our season. You know, (laughs) I don't know what this season would have been without Pike. It just feels weird to not have him in this season. So I think like a total, total reversal from season one and it definitely jumped on those nostalgic ties to bring again almost everybody i talked to are up on season two of star trek discovery do you mind if i pose a or an hypothesis or a hypothesis here sure so my take is had you started season one with captain pike arriving to be the temporary captain and then sending off on this mission and not had Lorca and not have the entire story that we had, I don't think as a viewer, and I'm speaking for myself here, I don't think I would have appreciated Pike the way I appreciated him Uh. in season two. If I had not had Lorca in season one, I think it would have felt so much, oh, well, here's just another Star Trek. But by seeing something that was Star Trek, but not technically feeling Star Trek, it made me, when you get this other captain that's more aligned with what we know, it made me want more of this captain because look what we had. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, totally. And and they definitely left us at the end of season one wondering, you know, who who's going to be the captain now, you know? And Saru was a natural fit for that, but... They not only left us with who was going to be the captain, but then turn around and maybe give us one of the greatest captains in Star Trek history, which is just an awesome change that uh, unbelievable and just beautifully executed on all fronts. So question, just this is way off topic. Uh, just real quick, I want to hear who like as since we've seen a season of Pike, how would you rank your captains now? <sighs> that's that's changed. Has it changed for <laughs> it you? Cha- it's yeah. For me, yeah. Has your top changed? No, my top. I think Janeway will always be my top. Clarence, has your top changed? Oh man, I think so. I think so. I, Are you Pike now? I think I'm Pike Cisco. Pike and Cisco, uh, man. <laughs> Cal, what about you? Have your has your top captain? No, you? Janeway would still be my favorite because I, I mean, I can't just even though it's been that many years, I can't discredit my like for Voyager. Even though I have said this past weekend that I would say that Discovery has become my favorite Star Trek. That being said, I still like Janeway. I would put as a Second, I would still give Picard, but my third would easily be uh, Pike, and as as portrayed by Anson Mount. Hmm. I think Pike is a very strong. I mean, it's close for me between Janeway and Pike, but Janeway was my first captain, so that's just always a special place in my heart. <laughs> but Pike is like, like he he nailed it. 
So mine is going. Mine is. I think Cisco is leaps and bounds above Pike, in my opinion. Uh, but Pike has taken over my second place from, believe it or not, Archer. Oh wow! Really? Okay. So that moves Archer down the third, and Picard in fourth, and then everybody else, and then everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, sorry, that was off topic. I was no, just no, curious. definitely. I mean, nothing is off the table as we discuss this season. We're going to talk about everything we can come up with. And that's that's an excellent point, because, again, like so many people I talk to when they talk about this season, Pike is the first thing out of their mouth. <laughs> no question. No question. <laughs> yeah. So it was I, a very prominent part of this season, not to be the most important part. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's that's weird, because you would think. That, of course, Burnham is always going to be integral to the the show. But you would think from early on that Spock would have seemed like he would have been more prominent. And he was prominent. I can't say he wasn't. But still, when you look at the totality of the season, I mean, something about Pike just resonates with the Trek fan. And I don't know what it is. Well, I know See, it I, is. He's awesome, but <laughs> I, I think it was smart from a visual standpoint of taking Spock. And even when you found Spock, you get you left him with the beard, which in a way distanced the fan base from him because he didn't visually appear as Spock. You weren't seeing him per se as Spock, almost yeah. like a mask behind the Spock. <laughs> that said, I think that was also a wise casting uh, choice for Anson Mount because he had the presence about him to have a commanding presence and a commanding look about himself. But from an acting perspective, some of his things were more subdued where he didn't come in and overpower the other characters that had already been established. Certainly. Exactly. Certainly. So I want to pivot into maybe us giving our personal highlights for the season. And we may have some overlap here, but I want to start with you, Jeremy. Uh, personal highlight for the season. Probably the overall introduction of just new characters. Um, like the Jet Reno and Pike and younger Spock. Just, yeah. you know, especially like for Pike and Spock, for me, who's, who hasn't seen like the original series a whole lot, not knowing who these characters were and getting an introduction to them, that makes me want to go back and see more of, of what they were at the in the original series. And, you know, like Jet Reno being a whole new character and this Leland character, you know, whole new character. You know, they're just, just a richer, a, a richer character driven story. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely can agree with that. The characters they introduce, and if you really think about it, they introduce quite a few new characters this season. And, you well, know, go ahead. Well, I was saying, and not even introducing new characters, but bringing the characters that are already there more to the for forefront, like the yeah. bridge crew yeah. of Discovery, who, you know, has always kind of been there, but, you know, not now they were actually... <laughs> <laughs> right. They were just like, they were background people, but now they're part of the crew. Yeah. I mean, last season, I didn't know Dittmeyer's name. You know, I don't doubt you. You know, that's that's the kind of stuff they did. Like that scene where Pike goes around and says, introduce yourself. Don't worry about your rank. You know, that that's just to me, that was a great scene because that, that's a, a scene for a showing his leadership 
that we'll get you ranked later. Right now we have a job to do and I need to know what you can do. Yeah. And I'll just agree because when you think of these characters that maybe said very few words in the first season, whereas this season we have Detmer doing space donuts and a Wasakan going on away missions and, and, you know, Arium played a huge part this season. So, right. Yeah, just all these characters who we saw in the background, we knew were part of the bridge crew, but they got little to no fanfare because we were so uh, we had to play out the Klingon war and introduction to Burnham, which took most of of the first season, you know, and of course, a a bad captain in Lorca. But but yeah, just to see all these characters giving them moments and, and, and developing their characters a little bit more. To whereas by the time we get to the end of the season, we are caring about these characters uh, very much. So does anybody else have thoughts on like some of the new characters or more developed characters we saw this season? Mm. Well, if I were to go into and this kind of ties into what you're what you're saying, my favorite um, character development would be the episode. I don't remember which one it was off the top of my head, but it was the episode where Arium is killed and not because they killed off the character, but, but one of the things that I've always liked in my watching style, even from whenever I was a kid was anytime a TV show had a transition episode where it changed directions, changed courses, changed whatever the change may be. I've always been like drawn to that, uh, Keeping it in Star Trek when Tasha Yar dies, that yeah. that was something that I remember easily. When Kess left um, Voyager, I remember that. This is that was one of the episodes that emotionally got to me in this uh, season. So that was very cool on character development there. Yeah. What about you, John? Any character development that you thought was stand out this season? Uh, yes, and I, you're. Clarence, you'll probably echo this. Um, mine that stands out the most would be Giorgio. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I know this is a completely different Giorgio than season one, but it's still Giorgio overall. So, you know, first season, she was probably my least favorite character. And Mirror Universe, Giorgio, of course, in the second season, but like tremendously better character to me. Like, I enjoyed this Giorgio so much more. Yeah. No, I totally agree on everything about Giorgio. She went from being she she kept the snidness a little bit, but she went from being a character that you thought was just a cold blooded killer to by the end of the season, having a heart and showing that she can change. And I think one of the best moments for me with her is when Gabrielle Burnham tells her, you know, I know what you can do. I know what you can be. And I was like, wow, that that's awesome to see in just these few episodes where this character has came and maybe where she's going by, you know, the end of the series. So I thought that was fantastic. Yeah. I, I love seeing a character who can be both cold hearted and calculating and manipulative, but still have that heart of gold and still show all that at the same time. Yeah. That is because that is no easy feat by any means whatsoever. Well, I think that's what happens when you take a character. (laughs) I I think that's uh, I think that's what happens when you take a character like Giorgio 
but take her from the mirror universe where she has survived because that was all she ever knew and put her uh, in a different environment and you let that character slowly start dealing with things differently i think that's that's excellent for a character and honestly i'm glad we get this giorgio than the first giorgio because i think there's more character growth in this giorgio certainly certainly agreed and i do think emperor giorgio is my answer but just to give another opinion i think you also have to look at dr colber because you and he's supposed to be here right (laughs) and I think the way they managed to bring them back in, though, you know, I'm kind of dubious on the science on some parts of it, but this is a space show in the future, so <laughs> the science really isn't that important. Um, I do that like that they brought him back in, and they gave him some growth. They gave him some growth. He went from, uh, upon his return, he comes back as this very mentally troubled person and rightfully so because he was dead (laughs) right he he has a new body which you know is you know by the doctor's account perfect now and he doesn't know how to deal with that and i do like the similarities in the development from him to what we got from uh, ash tyler in season one to where we got from saru in this season you know we see in all of these instances where these characters are effectively different people, but the same. And they're having to deal with the fallout of that. So I, I, I just love Colbert all around this season. So that, that would be one of my picks as well. Awesome. So I guess now, um, since we kind of, well, no, let's go to Cal. What was your highlight of the season? So for me, my highlight of the season, I think, would be probably what everybody hated, which was, or not necessarily hated, but was maybe a little disappointed with. I was happy with the fact that they are going into the unknown for season three. That that to mm. me was the highlight, because I think that frees them up from any baggage that they had, and they get to tell something, and yes, this is a pun, but I'm going to say it anyway. They literally get to go where no Star Trek has gone before, and I, I'm excited about that. <laughs> nice. Where did you get that phrase from, Kyle? <laughs> no, I don't know. It just came to me. I couldn't explain it. It was a gift. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk ex- about that. And, 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 and would you... What I love about that is that they can go into the future and do something different. What I don't like about that is that it's 930 years from their current point in time that it won't seemingly won't allow any ties to any of the stuff that made this season so great, (laughs) you know? Um, So it would be nice to get some other Trek tie-ins, which, okay, we can have enemies that were from the past, uh, from the last era of Trek, maybe show up, you know, the Borg, etc. So I think that's cool, but I'm kind of worried about it being so far in the future. Did anybody else have thoughts on maybe this trip to the future, what it's going to mean for the show? Uh, I mean, I agree with Cal. It is giving him an opportunity to, in his words, which were someone else's words, go where no <laughs> trick has gone before. But it, 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 again, it, but you know, we, if you think back before we started season one, at least one of my complaints was that they started this show so far in the past 
And uh, my complaint was, why wouldn't this have to take place like after Voyager? Yeah. You know what I mean? So maybe it, maybe it is a good thing. I mean, maybe it's not. But I mean, too much freedom. I think you can get potential to mess it up. <laughs> That's true. That's I mean, they free themselves from the constraints of the current time. I, I get that. I get that. They want to get away from that. You know, again, question to why they started there, if they want to get away with that. I do think they're getting away with it. From not, But I, Kyle, I think you've expressed these opinions last on our last cast that they were tired of the fan backlash of being in this era. I think. Yes. Yeah. So I do think that's why they're moving. But again, I do think there is plenty of possibility for, you know, where they're going with this in the future. Uh, Jeremy, did you have any thoughts on that? Well, they're going to have to be careful with these uh, Picard series coming out, too. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's true. Like, how's that going to fit in? I mean, I think 930 years is probably a bit of a stretch to to start clean. Because you could like you you know you get you get a clean slate, but you can mess up that clean slate real quick <laughs> and if nobody you don't cares. have <laughs> any kind of lines. You know. So I mean I think if they went like, you know, fifty, a hundred years in the future, you that probably would have been a safe zone. But then we still don't know for a fact that they made it nine hundred and thirty years in the future. Yeah. True. They could a rope and dope us again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They they're good at pulling the wool over our eyes. So yeah, good point. Good point. We might might not be nine thirty in the future. So yeah. Yeah. So John, what highlight do you have from this season? Uh other than Giorgio, uh I think my biggest so I'm a martial arts person. I love martial arts. And the fight scenes in this season were amazing. Yes. So I, I really enjoyed the action in this season. The uh like I said, mainly the fight scenes, but just the cinematic action that we watched was great to me. Uh number one. Number two, there was a I think my favorite part in an episode and I just looked it up while we were talking uh, was I think in point of light when Giorgio came to rescue uh, Tyler and Laurel yeah. you know when yeah. they were trying yeah. to assassinate her yeah, that, that was a good moment for me I love that fight scene yeah that was pretty good some good Klingon fighting going on yeah there. so I, I mean overall just the fight scenes really got me in this one and then the, of course the ending the major space battle right that was amazing as well. Yeah, I, I think when you talk about that point of light fight scene, that also let us know that Giorgio is here to kick tail. She's kicking tail and taking <clears throat> names, and All she's right. going to be bad, you know what, this season. And wow, <laughs> she was. Yeah, and and, and piggyback, piggying back on the fight scene stuff, uh, I think my favorite fight scene of this season, and maybe even in all the Trek period, and I mentioned this in our last podcast, but the fight scene in the corridor where the gravity plating was going offline and the right. corridor was, and they were going on the, the bulkheads on the ceiling. I just thought that was beautifully done and just like, you know, well shot and well um, produced bit of, of cornish there. <laughs> Could you imagine the, 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 could you imagine what it took to film that? Yeah. Yeah. Now, my theory is that Ugh. that corridor, because they aren't in this particular section and don't really move out of it until the fight is over. I, I imagine that that part was actually spinning the whole time. Uh, you think? Yeah, I think that so. That would be kind of dangerous. 
Yeah, well, you know, the spinning tunnel, and yeah, I, I think it. I really think it was spinning the whole time, very slowly. Mm. They but, must have had to like they probably timed the spin so they could like know the timing of it. Yeah, because I mean, if it was spinning, that would have been easy to tell. Because if you're not right on the timing, you can see them kind of react. Well, I guess that would be reaction to the gravity. Yeah, true. I, man, that that scene is just like hands down my favorite. It's yeah, so that's good. Weird. It's so I've good. never seen anyone knock down a that was good. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me let me throw it out to the other two hosts here. Did any fight scene or I guess space battle scene this season jump out at you guys as awesome or noteworthy? Mm. I would have to give uh, this the episode or the scene where they are doing the the rescue of I think it was. Dr. Culber, when they went halfway into the spore drive or into the spore verse or however you want to say it. Yeah. And you had the um, you had the discovery kind of halfway in reality and halfway out of reality that just visually looked very cool to me. Yeah, that was freaking awesome. And also in that little bit there. <laughs> oh, man, Pike is so good. We get the moment where Pike is like going crazy because he sees this rock unfold into a ship. <laughs> it, it, oh, man. And I think. Oh, you, yeah. I forgot. I left that part out. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, you good. <laughs> the, the ship, man, the uh, Section 31 ship and the whole track, the whole uh, 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 track the grapplers. Beat? Yeah. And tra- that was awesome part too. I love that. Yeah, that was freaking cool. Freaking cool. Jeremy, do you have like a particular fight or space scene that kind of the, the final space battle I think is just just my favorite right there. Go that was like the biggest old oh, holy crap moment yeah. of the whole series. A lot of lights, a lot of lights. Yes. Yeah. It it is it, so funny because it seems like when you think of movies or other trick shows it seems like the battles are more methodical and slower and it does pick up in some series. It gets a little fast, but here they are just balls to the wall, you know, chaos. And maybe I think there's something I mentioned that I didn't like, but when you take a look back at it, just what they were able to do with that fight. Jeez. Yeah. In one patine, uh, one patine, one scene, <laughs> Not Doctor Who. One scene in particular that I loved is the scene where Burnham launches from Discovery and she's headed to the point where she can spawn the the time, the wormhole or whatever you want to call it. And it's almost like a video game where she's in between these shuttles and they're weaving through traffic to try to chart her this course. And it's just like a video game, but it looks so freaking awesome. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that was really good. I was going to mention that in our last cast, and I never got a chance to. But that was an amazing moment to watch her do that. Yeah, yeah. And if I were to mention my highlight for this season, man, it has to be the moment when Pike touches that time crystal. And, and what it means for him to go on and complete the mission and do what he has to do, even though he knows what's going to happen. You know, he, he grins and bears it and goes on and says, I'm Starfleet. You know, I'm not going to change the man who I am because I know my destiny. And I think that may be the point for, you know, if, if anybody wasn't on board with Pike before then, 
that <sighs> moment and seeing his future, um, uh, that that just cements it f- for him and for fans. I believe it's just beautifully yeah. constructed uh, uh, piece uh, for him. It's, it's just beautiful, beautiful. Any Perfect other? tie-in to to yeah. the original series. Yeah, Agreed. and it kind of made. I mean, it made me go back and watch those episodes. So I'm sure, like, there's a lot of other people like, man, we really need to go watch some of that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Does anybody else have any thoughts on on that Pike scene, possibly, or any other Pike moment that kind of jumps out at you? The ending, I think the, the the way they left it with the entire you know bridge saluting him, you know, it was a it was kind of a sad moment, yeah. knowing that for the most part, no matter how much you like this character or this guy playing this. He probably is not going to be on there anymore. So I think they did that again, subdued, but impactful. So that would be one of my favorite scenes other than the first time you saw him and you see that classic uh, Star Trek uniform made to look modern. And that was cool. Yes. What about you, Jeremy? Um, Any Pike moment? That really jumps out at you. The, the the this is probably one of my favorite scenes in the whole in the whole series. Actually, is just when they're on the bridge and he tells them to go around and introduce yourselves. Yeah, <laughs> that, that that's just that that's my that's my Pike scene. That's like my Star Trek Discovery scene. Yeah, and I I can't argue with you that that you know again these characters that we uh, know little about from season one we're getting. Introduce, formally introduced to them uh, by Pike, and it just set the, the tone for the whole season, man. Really, he just came it, in and set the tone, man. And there was another scene at the end, at the very end, where he was uh, been back to the Enterprise, and Giorgio says, "You know, oh, by the way, I'm from the Mirror Universe," and he gives her that wink. And I'm just yes. like, well, what the hell else does he know? I'm smiling right now. What are you holding from me now? That I- <laughs> oh, that was so great. Oh, that's a good one. I'm glad you brought that one up. That was so good. Oh, man. Because we had debated that the whole season. Like, does, right. he, does he know? Is he kind of, he should know, right? Did Burnham tell him? And, you know. You know, what's funny of this whole conversation, uh, we have not really mentioned Michael Burnham much. So I want to talk right now about Burnham this season and we can sprinkle in Spock a little bit if you want to talk about him, but, but maybe mostly Burnham and not only Burnham, but mostly the theory of not the theory, these signals, these red things that drove the whole season. Do we think that played out well and was the introduction of time jumping? Was that, good for season two if you just give general thoughts if you want to go into detail go ahead but the time jumps in burnham's role in this season um john oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh i went to you the know, wrong person first you know, <laughs> <laughs> he hates time I, you really <clears throat> for this to be all of at the end of the season really the most important person here was burnham but through the entire season, she was the least important character. Does that make sense to you? Like it does. I, I never, like you said earlier, we didn't like we hadn't spoke over since we started. And really, 
no one said anything about her being any of their favorite scenes. <laughs> I mean, she just really was unimportant throughout the entire season until the end. We realized she was the most important to the entire season. Now, that being said, during the last episode, I was kind of like, we could have done without the red signals. Huh. Like, I, I think that was <laughs> added something maybe to make Burnham important. In, uh, I, I don't well, know. I, I, I wasn't excited about the red signals. I, I agree. With, I think I think the first season was more the Michael Burnham show, and this season was more Star Trek Discovery. Yeah, and you know she became less important. She was important, but she became less filler through the season. If that makes sense. Yeah. Mm. No. No. It was, it was kind of like she was the connective tissue to everything, but important, very important at times, but other times we took entire episodes to tell other stories about other characters. And I'm a hundred percent down with that. Every every episode does not have to be the Michael Burnham show. And I love Sonequa Martin green. And I think she does great, but I do like that. She felt more of just like the connective tissue this season. Right. Rather than prime time all the time. (laughs) I wish I could have got more of her mom. See, oh, see, I'm going to actually yeah. disagree with all three of you. I actually think she was just as important this season as she was last season. I just think the way it was presented from a storytelling point, and, and I may be saying the same thing you guys are in a different way, but I think she was such an integral part of the series last year because you, as the viewer, and myself included, were introduced to the world of discovery through the eyes of Burnham. And because of that, we had to maintain our point of view of her point of view throughout that season. I get that. I still think her importance didn't change, but the point of view, now that we know who these characters are, the point of view kind of shifted away from just what she was going through to what they were going through. Mm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, that's that's a really great point. Yeah. And what worries me about Burnham or what has worried me about her mostly is that she runs the risk of being too much of a guy like it's a bad word, a bad analogy, but too important to strict lore. I guess that's the word words I need to use. And, you know, I, I think I think of other lead show people which are, have been mostly captains in times past. I think maybe one of them that uh, probably has had the biggest thing as far as importance, importance as a character has probably been Cisco as the emissary, you know, kind of, kind of a godlike figure in a way. When you think of Janeway, you think of Picard. Well, Picard was Lacuta's aboard, but Janeway was just like a normal captain, but she was just kind of awesome, you know? And, it almost stands that they are making Burnham too important. And that worries me in a large sense. Have they scaled that back a lot? Is it going to be important in season three? I think very much less so because we're not playing in this time frame where she has done this very bad thing and got her cat, gotten her captain killed, you know? So I, I think she's going to, I think maybe in the future it's going to be more of a normal type show and maybe less of Burnham being so important and don't get me wrong Cal your point is excellent because 
She is integral to the season. She, she, the the red the red signals drive the season. The red the red angel drives the season. So she is very important. Very no, important. I agree with you. But just as we um, are, as you guys were saying earlier about going from not knowing anything about any of the bridge crew in the first season, other than seeing them to now knowing their names and knowing their backstories. I want to see in series three, I want to see a or an episode where they are the central, not because they are interacting with Tilly, Stamets, or Burnham, or uh, Saru, but because they're the lead of that particular episode. And I think that if they do that in series three, We'll do something that, again, go somewhere that Star Trek's not gone before, have it literally be an ensemble cast. Yeah. Yeah. And I do think they gave us a break this season by maybe let's investigate Tilly in this Spore universe thing for a minute. <laughs> let's investigate, you know, Colbert and what's going on with him. Agreed. So so I, I do think that's good writing on the showrunner's parts to kind of separate it out and then not be all burn them all the time. You know, let's talk about Pike a little bit, you know? So we did other things to break up the season. And I do think, you know, overall, when you look back at the season, what they were able to accomplish, even though we're dubious on the time stuff, but what, what they were able to accomplish with the red signals, bringing in Gabrielle Burnham, Saru's story, Pike's story, so many good elements that they brought into a season. If you think about it, that's very busy. That's a lot of stuff going on. It really was and, and, just for 14, 13 episodes. Yes. I mean, and they were able to weave that in. I mean, the Kaminar's, they were able to weave all this stuff in Leland. I didn't, we didn't talk about Leland. They've weaved all this stuff in. And, you know, I think it was, if you look back, it's kind of a massively done series. Um, and, you know, I do think they do a lot of that in season one, but again, I think it was marred by this crazy captain that everybody thought was ruining Star Trek. So, Hmm. So where I mean, where do we go from here, though? I guess that's can the we question. do more? <sighs> Man, I don't know. I think that's the question. Or do Everybody's we want running. more, or do we want to just go like we've <laughs> experienced it? Now we just want like normal trick. Now, like I hmm. I don't want normal trick. To be honest with you, I want to continue hmm. going literally how we've been going because that I think is what sold me so much on this series. And I think that's what they're kind of hoping for going forward. Like they sold you on the series for that and maybe they'll keep it that way. I just don't see how they can continue on, on these lines and still make it as good. Yeah. Cause it's been so bombastic, such some, some bombastic storylines that how do you go back to normal after all of this stuff that they've done? Uh, you know, I do think it could be something to where they do get 900 some odd years in the future and something else is wrong and they still have the time suit and they have to try to do something to, you know, go back and fix it. You know, I, I think that's still possible. Yeah. And I'm not holding out. I mean, I still think the sport drive could still be a com- kind of with the time travel. And I thought that's the route they were, that they were going to take this season, but they introduced this time crystal and I'm glad they did. For, you know, for what we got from from Pike and right. and Vok and Laurel's love child, uh, <laughs> uh, but it wasn't the direction I had envisioned from the beginning. Not at all. 
So, you know, we've been going for a while. So real quick, I want to get anybody has any other thing they want to bring up or anything that they just totally disliked about season two. Kyle, I'll start with you, man. I would say the thing I least liked uh, would probably be, I, I don't know, I didn't the 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 whole uh, ganglia and losing the ganglia <laughs> and, and and what you know what that I mean eh, I I could have done that would be the only thing I would say I could have done without this season you could have come up with a better way I think of advancing his character other than if you cut off his ganglia he will now be fearless you know even though that is kind of a, a reversal of the um, Story of Solomon, whereas you cut off his hair, yeah. you know, he, he he loses his strength. This was kind of the reversal of that, which in that case kind of makes it cool. Good point. But I still will say that if I were to give up anything, um, I would say that. But I do want to give one honorable, honorable mention real quick to a character. I love the way they per- portrayed Amanda Grayson. I thought that was oh, yeah. really, really cool. Yeah, agreed. And uh, just to piggyback off of the ganglia discussion, I liked it. But what I didn't like was when, oh, you're going to die. Take this pain away from me. And then it just falls off. I'm like, uh, eh, that wasn't the <laughs> best scene right there. But yeah, um, Jonathan. No, I'm going to save you, save you for last because I think I know what you're going to hate. Uh, <laughs> J- Jeremy, what did you not like about the season or any other tidbit about the season that you thought is worth mentioning? Uh, well, there, I think there were a few episodes where they were just kind of like stretching for times. Like we got this so much amount of minutes to fill up. So let's do this and this and this and just try to make that time stretch. You know, I, I didn't I feel like we, we spent a little, at least two episodes longer for this plot line than we should have um, that I didn't care for. Um, but that's really like the only gripe I have about this whole season. Then they, they should have used jet Reno more. They had her, they, there, was, there were several times where they could have, they, they had this engineer from the high water. They could have used her yeah. to help things and they didn't use her. So, but that was, that was like my two biggest complaints. What about you, Jonathan? <laughs> I don't, I don't, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it's a complaint. Like, it made this season good, but it's always my complaint through any suffer. I hate time travel. <laughs> <laughs> I really do. I really hate it. But, I mean, it made this season what it was, and we had to have it. But, my God, did it twist my brain and, like, weird. I just, I spent too much time trying to figure out time. <laughs> and Kyle, I don't need an explanation of it. <laughs> but I mean that that was one thing. Uh and probably the next uh there was there was a couple small things I had issues with. Uh for instance the torpedo lodged in the Enterprise flowing up. Like I had some issues with the explanation of that. Yeah. Uh, the whole Drawbridge between the ship. Yeah. <laughs> hey, that was kind of cool. Hey. <laughs> Visually, it was cool. Yeah, but it was like, okay. We're, we have warp capable. We're, pl- we're like s- past light speed, and you're throwing drawbridges. Like, <laughs> yeah, just use a transporter. Right. Yeah. So, 
Uh, but I mean, it re- not many complaints. It's just like I said, the timey wimey stuff kind of threw me off a little bit. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> it's catchy, guys. It's catchy. See, see, all I can, all I'm gonna say is, once you, if you can, you know, just master the wibbly wobbly, then you get the timey wimey. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah. Mm. If if I would have would have one complaint, I think it would be maybe some of the pacing. And not just in a single episode, maybe in overall. Again, like we talked about it being hard to cram so much stuff in. There's things I thought that would have benefited the show more if they would have introduced it an episode or two earlier. Uh, in particularly, you know, kind of our connection to Arium. It came like at the 11th hour, you know, right before we kill off. We're going to oh give you the heartstrings, which Carrie made a good point. It did make the episode more impactful, but. I think I would have wanted to know more about her maybe a two or three episodes before that. So it wasn't like we're going to dump all this information on you just to give you the feels and kill her, you know, and, and, and that extends to other things as well that I thought maybe the pacing or how they put it in just felt a bit off. Again, when you talk about this two part finale, they should have introduced showing them creating the, the the red angel suit in the first part of the two parter, right? Instead Agreed. of us seeing this scramble at the end, like what what y'all weren't gonna start that before, or maybe they did, <laughs> but they just should have showed it. You know, it felt a little bit too like too much. Like we need to make this exciting right now. Let's put a, put several scrambles in at the end to to amp up the episode, which it worked. It was fun. Um, you know, just stuff like that, that I thought was really weird. And, you know, one other thing I like to give them credit for is just the visuals all around, you know, it's yeah, very, it was pretty good. Yeah, very few things that I can think of that just as far as visually just didn't feel right. You know, they, they did an awesome job visually on almost everything, the space battles, um, just all around the set pieces, they really kicked butt on that aspect, man. I just, it, they built the bridge on the Enterprise. <laughs> yeah, that's <amazing>. they freaking <laughs> kicked butt from a production standpoint. They really went all out. So, so yeah. what do you think? You think Netflix money is still pushing this, or do you think they've made enough money from subscription? Um, so I uh, doubt it. So. I mean, Hmm. Me and Kyle were talking about this, and you may, if you head over to the Discussing Network Patreon, you may hear us talking about this. We were talking about the Twilight Zone, which is also on CBS All Access. And I think they're really putting a lot into production of the properties they have to bolster their service. So I do think the service is a success at this point. You know, um, going from nothing to building probably one of the biggest shows on. I'm on over quotes here. T- television <laughs> right now, uh, I think it's is really huge. I mean, they took Trek from being off the air for forever. <laughs> yeah, but you still suffer from the same problem: is the people, the Trek fans, is not a very large audience mm. that yeah. would pay for subscriptions. You know what I mean? Like, there's I, go- a, I could think of twenty people offhand that says, "Yeah, I watch Star Trek," but would they pay? To watch it, you, you no. know, you, you know what I think it's went from 
season one when we talked about season one, season two differences. I think it went it went from season one, me asking people or seeing a Trek fan to them saying, oh, no, I haven't seen that. It's under a paywall to now since they've hit all those nostalgic tones to people just saying, oh, I need to catch up. You know, seems like more people I see that talk about it, you know, may, they might wait. They might wait to the DVDs or, or Blu-rays dating myself here they might wait till the blu-rays they might you know only get cbs all access when it's over and binge it and cancel it but i do think more people are watching now versus last season you know i'll I'll take you one step further i would go so far as to say the the conversations people have with themselves over how they consume media is changed just in the last 18 months from yeah. the, am I going to cut the cord? And uh, if not case in point myself, I cut the cord um, about eight, nine months ago. So, you know, I, I think that is a conversation people are having with themselves. Yeah. And just to piggyback off of that, I mean, I think it's gone from people saying that, Oh, I'm not going to pay for all these different streaming services to Disney Plus coming up with this service is going to have Star Wars, Disney stuff, Marvel stuff, original content. And they'll be like, hmm, (laughs) this this might be the future, you know. And so I, I do think they have a good road ahead of them going forward as long as they keep, you know, these these high budget properties going. Now, a good point. Will they be able to sustain that? Let's hope so <laughs> for our sake. But, you know, we got we got stuff down the pike. We got stuff down the pike. No pun intended. <laughs> all right, guys. Well, thank you all for, for being on for this review. I really appreciate it. And again, anybody listening, if you have any comments about season two feedback, send it in to fans at discussingtrek.com or, you know, hit us up on social media. We'll be certainly happy to talk about it on the air and. I want to go around the horn and just see what everybody is either working on or anything that you're watching or listening to. These are our parting gifts for this episode. And I'm going to start with uh, Cal Jones. What are your parting gifts, man? A parting gift would be if you are a fan of Doctor Who, since we are talking time. And while we may not have liked time in this particular season of Star Trek, we do know that there are time travel fans out there. So discussing who.com, we talk all about Dr. Who. All right. Jonathan shorts, man. Parting gifts. Um, not working on much of anything. Uh, but I advise anyone who is not, who has been watching this show faithfully and are looking for something to go to. I say, man, let's start on the classic series. Yeah. Yeah. Let's get I like some, that. Get some info in, get get yourself some trick knowledge so we'll be prepared for the little Easter eggs in the third season if there are any. If they happen not to go 935 years <laughs> in the future. <laughs> we'll see how that goes. But me personally, like I've started DS9 and Voyager over. So it's going to be a culmination of the two and I'm going to fill my discovery gap with that. Oh yeah. Awesome sauce. Uh, Jeremy Morrow, man. Party gifts. Um, I, I too have started over DS nine just for funsies. And I'm also in the middle of Gotham trying to catch up on that, but that's really aside from work. That's the only thing in my life I got going right now. Awesome sauce. Well, I mentioned it a second ago, so I'll just mention again. Um, if you like science fiction slash mystery, I don't know if that's a good 
description of it. But if you like Twilight Zone in the past, if you like Black Mirror, if you are into those type of shows, The Outer Limits, uh, definitely check out um, Twilight Zone on uh, CBS All Access. <laughs> if you haven't canceled your subscription yet, uh, definitely check out Twilight Zone. I'll, I'll give that shout out. As well as... Um, I'll say we are going to try to ramp our YouTube channel back up for discussing network. So if you are into comic related videos or Dr. Who related videos, definitely check out the discussing network YouTube channel, which can be found at youtube.com slash discussing network. You'll see my mug on there as well as Kyle Jones and maybe others. So go ahead and give us a subscription over there. We'd really appreciate it as we try to bolster the Discussing Network family, which is Discussing Trek, Discussing Who, and Discussing Comics. Thank you all for joining us. Another season is in the can. And until next time, guys, live long and prosper. Thanks for listening to the Discussing Trek podcast. For more information, go to discussingtrek.com slash subscribe.